Joseph Lejare, Quebec, Quebec, 1795 to 1855. Joseph Ourney. Joseph Ourney, a chief's daughter, is identified as the sitter of this portrait by an old inscription on the back, though nothing else is known of her. This large painting reflects a growing interest in indigenous peoples and their lives. The vivid red smock standing out against the dark foliage-filled ground endows the figure with extraordinary presence. The trout and the bird she holds confirm her youth, as only very young indigenous girls devoted their time to hunting and fishing. It is a vision of full hope. Upper Canada, the Maritimes, and Indigenous Beadwork, 1800s. In 1791, the Parliament of Great Britain passed the Constitutional Act, separating the province of Quebec into two parts. Lower Canada, peopled by French-speaking Catholics of the St. Lawrence River Basin, and Upper Canada, home to English-speaking Protestants west of the Ottawa River large numbers of whom were refugees from the recent American Revolution. British culture and artistic traditions were already established in the Atlantic provinces of Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, later taking hold in Upper Canada. Some European artists specialize in depicting indigenous peoples. The results suggest a desire for accuracy, despite often falling into stereotype. Through the movement of indigenous peoples across Canada and encounters with Europeans, creative borrowing influenced both traditional and new art forms, such as beadwork. During the later 1800s, the Métis, people of mixed European and indigenous heritage, became adept at merging beading techniques learned at Catholic mission schools with traditional floral motifs. Beaded clothing and domestic objects thus became emphatic symbols of Métis identity. John Poe de Drake, The Port of Halifax, 1835, Oil on Campus. The long-standing attribution of this work to Drake, an English artist who spent time in Halifax, is purely conventional and could be revised following further research. But this in no way detracts from its exceptional quality. The artist has depicted the port of, Nova, of the Nova Scotian capital, whose skyline appears on the left, with a focus on various trading activities. The subject was a new one in Canadian art, and the scale of the painting suggests it was meant for display in a public place.
Robert S. Duncanson, Fayette, New York, 1821, Detroit, Michigan, 1872, Owl's Head Mountain, 1864, oil on canvas. Duncanson was the first recorded African-American landscape painter and was associated with the Hudson River School. He settled in Montreal from 1863 to 1865 after fleeing the U.S. during the American Civil War. His delicate rendering of light conveys a sublime stillness and reflection, characteristic of his early Canadian subject matter. His style would influence many Canadian painters, including his student, Alan Edson. Purchased 1978. W. Blair Bruce, The Smiths, 1894. Bruce is noted as Canada's first impressionist painter. This scene of blacksmiths firing an iron wagon wheel, painted during the artist's stay in Giverny, France, or Giverny, sorry, shows the strong influence of impressionism. The work explores the dawn of the industrial age and the ingenuity of man. It also exemplifies Bruce's mastery of depicting the human figure in motion, as well as his outstanding control of perspective. This one's actually next level, for sure.
Lauren S. Harris, Bradford, Ontario, 1885, Vancouver, British Columbia, 1970, Lake Superior, 1928. The canvases and sketches from Harris's Lake Superior trips have become iconic of his production from the late 1920s. The stylized form of the trees, smooth surfaces, pure light, sculpted clouds, and deep skies show that he began to abbreviate and abstract the landscape. It was also in his depictions of the area around the lakeshore that he was able to fully express his ideas about the connection between the Canadian landscape and the sublime.
seems to be some kind of event. My folks posted up at the bar. We'll go upstairs. European and American. Maso del Maza, St. Peter, John the Evangelist, and Bartholomew. This panel was once the left portion of an altarpiece. The right panel, now in a private collection, depicts St. John Gualbert, or Gualbert, Benedict, and Lawrence. The central panel is missing. St. John Gualbert, or Gualbert, was a founder of the Vallambrosan Order, a congregation of Benedictine monks whose abbey is located near Florence, and the altarpiece was undoubtedly commissioned for a nearby church. Sorry for butchering pronunciations. Benedictine. Master of the Medici Chapel altarpiece, the crucifixion. The, st the story is told clearly and simply. The Virgin swoons in grief while John arches backwards as he clasps his hands, and Mary Magdalene clings to the foot of the bloody cross. The figure's anguish moves us to pity and devotion. The angels above once swung incense burners, now damaged, honoring Christ and recalling the familiar rites of the Mass. Unusually, the panel was once covered with silver leaf, 
but only the red preparatory layer beneath remains. Imitation Arabic script runs along the edges. Used for its association with luxurious imported goods, bare wood shows where the original frame was once attached. Joseph Benjamin Constant. Salome with the head of St. John the Baptist. As a leading Orientalist painter in the 19th century, Constant rendered exotic subject matters such as Salome, the Old Testament princess who enticed King Herod through her seductive dance into beheading St. John the Baptist and became a classic symbol of femme fatale. The morbid combination of eroticism and death in this painting recalls the fin de siècle symbolism of Oscar Wilde's contemporary play, Salome. Constant's work may be part of a series of biblical subjects, all of the same size and painted in Grisel, a method of painting in gray monochrome. Two of these were published as photogravures in, in 1899 and 1901. 